The following audio is from Fellowship Church in Nederland, Texas. Our mission, to love God, love others, and make disciples. For more information about Fellowship, visit fellowshiptx.org. Well, welcome everybody to our latest addition to our podcast here at Fellowship Church. I'm your associate pastor, Julian Martinez, sitting here with our lead pastor, Daniel Ward. Uh, we haven't done a podcast in a couple of weeks. We've been kind of busy. Yeah, we just kind of gotten away from us the past two weeks yeah. yeah i also have a baby in the office so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i bring my baby to work every day and that kind of <laughs> either she's asleep or she's not and if right. she's asleep we can get some things done if not not so much but um we've been in the book of philippians and uh you've been telling us how uh philippians is all about a book of joy mm-hmm. and uh, i really love this letter that Paul writes to these people who he loves, you know, mm-hmm. and that he uh, he obviously admires them and the way they think and the way that they have expressed their love towards him and mm-hmm. towards others. And um, it's interesting that Paul, you know, he's this church planner evangelist going around the world. But, you know, one day in heaven, I'd like to have a conversation with him. Like there were some places where Paul probably would have wanted to stay. Oh, yeah. If he wouldn't have, you know, Ephesus is one of them. Right. He wanted to be in Ephesus so bad. He was there a long time and didn't really want to leave. Right. I think Philippi would be in the same thing. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of one of the, and I think too, you know, uh, we kind of go through that and we used to go to these meetings and we haven't seen some of our friends in a while mm, and you kind of yeah. want to hang out with them, you know, but you can't be with them all the time. And, but you can really see that come through in Paul and his letters that right. how much he loves them and this is so true with philippi and uh and they get it and so he's writing this letter to people who understand mm, right which i think is neat because uh m- most times if not when you're preaching a sermon you're preaching it to people who should get it right right people who should understand what we're talking about and uh right it's interesting too you look at philippians there's very little of gospel presentation because mm-hmm. they do get it right yeah. it's not he's not spending a lot of time explaining what the gospel is because he doesn't need to because they they get that yeah and this is kind of a reminder yeah if you will like what it should look like which is neat because you know god and his providence like he he knew where we were going to be right now in 2021 mm. in the state of the church and the culture and because church looks radically different right now than it did when mm-hmm. Paul was writing to Philippi, right? Very much so. Uh, and so because I think of the way Christianity looks now, these letters come in so handy mm. to say, here's here's what it's about. Here's what Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote down about the church. Right. Right. And, uh, and we can take these truths and soak them up and understand them for what God meant for us to learn. Mm although they were written 2000 years ago, right? which is pretty neat. So uh, we're in Philippians chapter two and uh, right off the back, the very first word we see is if, mm-hmm. and I want to talk about that for just a little bit because it's one of my favorite words in the whole Bible. Mm-hmm. You had said, which um, we didn't talk about this, but you had said that you and I think very differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we, we have a lot in common, but we think very differently and you're always, I don't want to say accusing, but you're always charging me of being very black and white. Yeah. Right. Uh, one way or I'm the other. black and white, but you're even more black and white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I see no gray. Right. Uh, and maybe that's why I love the word if in the Bible. Yeah. The word if leaves no room for gray. Right. The word if is a line in the sand, if you will. And, um, and so why, why is that word if so important as it pertains to what the Bible is trying to say in your opinion? Well, I think that, uh, in, uh, 
in this particular instance, and in most instances, is when you see the word if, it is that line in the sand of um, are you the real deal or not? And we live in a culture where people don't like to draw those hard lines, mm. right? They'll, they'll accuse you of being judgmental or, or whatever else. If you draw a hard line and say, well, Jesus is the only way to salvation and you have to surrender your life to him. And if you haven't done that, then you're not truly saved. And, uh, and, and they don't want any accountability for fruit in their life. Right. And, yeah. and so, um, when we look at those words, if, uh, it draws that line in the sand and, it, and it's in scripture. And so you can't really argue with that. Right. Sometimes those black and white lines need to be drawn. Mm. Sometimes it's important that we delineate that this is truth. Right. right. And, and the, if is there for a reason, uh, and so it's important that we that we as pastors communicate that and that we don't allow some of those things, uh, those lines to get blurred, especially in regards to the gospel, which right. is what Paul's doing here. He's saying, look, at, if you're truly saved, mm-hmm. then this would be true about you as well. And we see that. We see Paul draw those lines a lot. We see John draw those lines in First John and a lot. You know, there's these hard lines of... Um, if you've truly surrendered your life to Jesus, and, and that's the only way to heaven, we know that through mm-hmm. Scripture. If you've truly done that, then there will be fruit. There will be evidence of that. Mm. And there's no way to dance around that. I mean, yeah. we live in a culture and a time where people want to uh, dance around that, and they want to make things lighter and easier. There's pastors that will preach and try to to make Christianity into this light thing that just, you know, it will just come in and affect your life and make you you make your life better and make your marriage better make you a better parent make you a better business person all, yeah. all these things and and while all those may be secondary effects of the gospel those aren't the focus the mm-hmm. primary focus is that the holy spirit comes in and makes you into a new creation and your life looks radically different because yeah. of it some people's lives get worse <laughs> yeah, yeah well yeah I yeah mean, look at paul's look at paul yeah yeah he, he had he had externally all the things of the world you know you would think that everything was great for him and then he Uh, surrenders his life to Jesus and immediately everything goes Mm -hmm. way, way worse for him. Yeah. I think we, we have been, what's the word? You know, we've, we've kind of been tasked. We talk about this a lot with this old school mentality of say this prayer and you're good. Right. That, that happened for a long time. And now pastors like us and this generation, we're suffering with, we're left with the bill that that charged up. Mm. Meaning, you know, I can't tell you how many conversations I have with people when we're talking about stuff like this, where they kind of will corner me and say, well, what about my granddad or what about so-and-so? You know, I know they said a prayer, they never lived like it, but you know, where does that fall in? You know? And, and that's why I love the word if in the Bible, because it's not me saying it. Right. Right. I would love for your grandfather or for my grandfather or my dad, he died without the Lord, you know, to have said this magical prayer and that was it. Right. You know, but because of what I read in scripture, I, we don't get that. Right. And uh, and I think that's what's beautiful about the gospel is that Jesus was that way. He's mm. you know, he said, if anyone desires to follow after me, here's what it's going to look like. You're going to carry your cross daily and you're right. going to, you know, die to yourself. And and uh, and I and, you know, the rich and young ruler is a good example of that. He had mm. done, quote unquote, what needed to be done. Right. But his heart wasn't in it. And uh and that, and that if there gives us this ability to say, hey, God requires something of us. Yeah. There's more to this life than just this prayer and this idea. I think, too, when we take if out, we weaken the power of the gospel. Mm. Right? Because the gospel is powerful to change people's lives. Yeah. 
And so if we take the if out, mm. then we're saying, well, the gospel is not really powerful enough to change your life. You just say this prayer and you're, you're good to go. But that, that cheapens the gospel. Yeah. The, the, the gospel is that God literally comes in and makes you into a new creation. The Holy Spirit comes in and dwells inside of you, makes you into a new creation mm. with new affections and new desires and a new heart. And, uh, and, and when we take if out, we, we've cheapened that power. We've said, well, no, the, you know, that's not really what this is all about. It's just say a prayer and believe in your heart that, that God is who he was. Well, there should be effects of that. Right? Yeah. If you truly believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then there will be effects of that. Mm. You'll see fruit of that. And when we take that out, we I, th- I think we cheapen the gospel. Yeah, and so that's some of the things that uh, Paul talked about here in Philippians that you mentioned, uh, that here are some... Uh, here are some fruit, if you will, to that decision, that surrender uh, to to serve Jesus is that you would have these things in common, unity in thought, unity in love, unity in purpose, unity in interest or interest for others, unity in spirit. Right. Your passion will be will be such. And so. I kind of wanted to take a few of those. We don't have time for all of them, but I wanted to take a few of those and, and talk to you about it. Why is unity in thought so important as to what Christianity teaches? Is it important? Oh, it's 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 very important. Um, we we have to all have the same worldview. We have to have the same lens in which we're looking at the world as believers. Because, like I said Sunday, Paul says in Romans that. You know, there's this renewal of our mind, right? That if we're truly saved, there's going to be a renewal of our mind. We're going to see the world in a different, in a different way. We're going mm-hmm. to see it through the lens of the Word of God, through the lens of the gospel, right? right. Uh, and, and there is, you know, this era that we live in, and it's not new. It's always been the case uh, that that people want to detether themselves from the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And once we do that, what do we have? Right. Once you once you detether yourself from the truth of Scripture, then then what do you have? You mm. have you have nothing. You have you have a self idol is what you have at that point because then you get to say, well, you know, I believe this part about Jesus, but I don't believe about this part about Jesus. And you kind of crafting your own your own Jesus, your right? own idol. I yeah. went to uh, we took the kids to Disney or whatever, and we, we brought the boys to this like robot building thing where they got to build a droid from star wars oh that's cool and they got to pick like there's this assembly line of parts for these robots and you get to pick each like color that you want and the different Hmm. parts that you want and then you go and assemble it that's what people are doing with with god today they're they're picking out the parts they like and then they leave the parts that they don't like and they're they're assembling their own little god uh which is really just it's themselves that they're worshiping uh and they've determined in their own minds who god is and that's a dangerous, dangerous place to to be. Because where does where does that end? Yeah. Right. Where, where where does where does that stop? You can continually morph your God into who you want Him to be, and, and that's that's a that's a very very dangerous place to be. That's why it's so important that we as believers unite ourselves around the truth of God's word. We believe that it is inerrant, that it is uh, the, the the true word of God, and it's His. Uh, revealing to us who he is and what he expects and what he wants and mm. uh, when we uh, when we unite ourselves in in that truth uh, then 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 all the other stuff kind of doesn't matter right? right all the the methodology you know if you play hymns or you play worship music if you have green carpet or blue carpet right. or, or whatever none of those things matter because 
we're, we're tethering ourselves to the word of God that we're, we were united in that way in mm. thought. Yeah. Uh, and I guess to clarify unity in thought, uh, is, is a understanding of the non-negotiables, right? Right. Um, like, you know, Jesus is God. Jesus right. died and was resurrected in three days. You know, right. um, there are several of them. There's non-negotiables, the Trinity, you know, things that we understand to be true biblically. But then there's these gray areas that, mm-hmm. uh, and that's not what unity and thought means. Right. right. You talked about it a little bit uh, Sunday, how you and I differ sometimes on how we see certain things in the Bible. We've been on this eschatological kick here right. lately. Where right. We're talking about the end times a lot and we kind of differ in some of those time frame things. However, we don't differ in that there is a second coming and that right. Jesus is coming back. And, and so unity in thought says, hey, these are some really cool things that are going to happen in the future. How do they play out? Unity in thought is we're agreed that this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm not so much in practicality, like how's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? Right. 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 I don't want people to get confused to say, well, I believe this thing about this because of what the Bible says. And another person, no, no, no. Unity of thought is the non-negotiables. We have a mission. We have an understanding of what sin is and how God has dealt with sin. And, and those things are not gray areas. Right. Those things are non-negotiable. They're lying in the sand. This is the way God has put it out there for us to understand. And there are mystery things that were just like, who knows how that's going to play out, but it is going to play out. Right. Those things are fun in conversation, right? Well, we've, yeah. we've got friends who uh, who go one way with the sovereignty of God, right? <laughs> and they love to have those conversations. Yeah. And uh, and then we have friends who are maybe a little bit more middle of the road. Those are gray areas, though, right? right? Those are those are things that maybe we can have fun talking about, but those aren't things that we draw hard lines on it's okay that i have a friend that that looks at that at it from a different angle mm-hmm. but it's not okay for me to have someone as a member of our church that doesn't believe in the inerrancy of scripture or sure. doesn't believe that jesus is the son of god that yeah. he was the christ the promised one the messiah those things aren't those are those are like you said non-negotiables yeah and it's also good unity and thought is uh and looking at it from a different angle i like the way you place that because it challenges us right mm-hmm. I can't tell you or the audience how many times we've been in each other's office. Like, did you look at this or have you looked at that? Right. And actually changed our minds about like, man, you're right. You know, like I didn't see it from that perspective. I was looking at it from this way. Right. And we need that. Yeah, We need that to strengthen each other. But I agree with you. The non-negotiables we have to be certain on. Right. That this is who we are. Not because, not because Julian and Daniel say so, but because God has already placed that as who he is in the Bible. Mm. We can't change that. Right. That's who God is. Right. And he has given us that, 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 that is a, something you can't take away. Right. Right. You can't build upon that because he's already told us who he is and described to us what he wants. Right. Um, so with that being said that, uh, that we should have unity in thought. You also said we should have unity in love and unity in passion and the unity in love. You said contextually was a uh, love for one another. Like, right. um, like Jesus said, I give you a new command to love one another as I have loved you. And, uh, and and we see that a lot. I don't think we struggle with that here so much. I have had, I've been in churches where they do. Right. But uh, can you have this unity for one another genuinely and not have a passion for reaching new people with the gospel? I, I don't think that Paul, as he's listening to these things, there's no oars. I don't see the word oh. or anywhere, huh. right? Yeah. Um, so I don't think that you can have one without the other. I think he's saying if 
you've truly been saved, if those first things are true about you and you truly have a relationship with Christ and you've experienced the love of Christ and all those things that we listed in the beginning, if those are true, then these other things, all of them should be true. So mm. yes, we should live in Christian community as a church and love one another and, and be decisive about that. So when someone hurts us, we let those things go. Uh, but you can't say, all right, well, I want the community of the church, but I don't want the mission of the church. Oh, right? Well, you yeah. can't. You can't draw those lines because Paul doesn't draw those lines. He, he, he says all of these are included, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so absolutely I think that uh, people do come to the church for that. A lot of people see the community of the church and they want that. Yeah, And it is, it's a beautiful thing, right? So sure. It's an awesome thing to live in Christian community in the church. It's, it's a wonderful gift from God. And people from the outside look in and they think, I want that. And, and that's a good thing. Uh, but you can't come for just that. Yeah, right. you got to come for uh, surrendering your life to Jesus and what His purpose is for your life and what His uh, plan is for your life. And if uh, if that's true, then we're going to be passionate about what God's called us to be and what He's called us to do, which is loving others and making disciples and all of that. Yeah, I had a executive pastor one time who said, uh, "Are we going to be keepers of the aquarium or fishers of men?" And I really like the way he put that, that we can do this really good job, which I think a lot of churches do in catering to their people and making sure everybody's okay and loving on each other. But then when it comes to outreach and sharing the gospel outside of the walls of the church, they fail miserably. And not only that, but sometimes they don't see it as that big of a deal or that important. Mm. And I think, you know, you're right. When you see the things that Paul lays out here, He's saying you got to have it all, right? right? You've got to make sure that, yes, you love one another, but also that you have this passion for people outside of the church and sharing the gospel with them. Because then if we're all that there is, Christianity doesn't continue, right? Right. The, the, the whole idea that we can just open our doors on Sunday mornings and hope that lost people come in is a, is kind of a flawed method. You know, it wasn't given to us biblically. Right. Well, and, uh, we said the other day, you and I were talking, and we were trying to you know, judge maybe how many churches what would, would be what would be a statistic of churches who are really actually evangelistic and not just keepers of the aquarium, like you said. Mm. Uh, and I think we said probably like one out of ten are actually evangelistic, yeah. if that. Um, and I think that's that's become part of this Americanized gospel that we. Um, you know, we got a lot of people that preach doctrine. They know their stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of churches know the Bible. They're they're loving one another. They're you know the pastors are visiting in the hospitals and doing all the stuff. But as far as like moving and getting somewhere, they're not doing this. Which is what we talked about early this year, right? When we talked about our move series, we don't yeah. want to be a church that's just spinning our wheels here, mm-hmm. you know, having programs and making sure people know their Bible and all that. We we want to actually get this this thing moving so that we're actually accomplishing the mission that God has given us. And so it, it is, it's really important that yes, that we love one another yeah. and we get that. And I do think that, that there is a, a misstep there somewhere sometimes where we, we aren't loving each other decisively. When someone hurts our feelings, we draw those, you know, we cut them off or whatever and yeah. say, I'm, I'm done with you. Or, or, you know, we see that church is splitting over the dumbest things, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, that's not very living common in that love. Right. Uh, so I do think that's an issue, but I do think the bigger issue in our culture today is that people lack that passion. They're not they're not passionate about sharing the gospel uh, because they've gotten so focused on just 
caring for themselves spiritually and they want their pastors to to preach to them and to help them grow spiritually and yeah and you know feed me feed me feed me right how many times mm-hmm. have you heard someone leave it well, i just wasn't being fed right <laughs> yeah well whose fault is that right right at, at this point in your life you should be feeding yourself yeah. typically i mean maybe you're a new christian and i get that there's a level of someone discipling you and helping you through that but at some point it's time to start feeding yourself yeah and that that kind of propels us into the next question i had but i want to deviate a little bit like that's a leadership problem too, right? Oh yeah, yeah, 100%. yeah. Like yeah. If, there's uh, no, if there's no vision casting, if there's no leadership, I mean, we're, we're shepherds. That's what that's what we're called to be. Yeah. And so our job is to shepherd people towards what God wants for their life, the abundant life, right? Yeah. We're supposed to shepherd people towards that, and if we are just coddling people, then yeah, then we've missed it. So something I really liked about your sermon, uh, it was about your last point about the interest of others. You said that um you said something i really liked a lot you said that we don't care what people think mm. you know like the music or the carpet color of the carpet you know how you arrange the foyer to us that doesn't matter right opinions don't matter and uh and has the concern of what people think hindered the gospel message in your opinion absolutely we've we've turned christianity into this consumeristic mm. seeker sensitive movement which was never what god intended it to be right right? um if if i'm making all of my decisions based on what other people think first of all that's a sin right that that i'm seeking the approval of others Mm. that's sinful but second um i'm i'm i've turned church into the worship of god's people not in the you know the worship of god yeah and again that's a dangerous place to be that's not what we're called to be that's not what we're called to do um and so what I said is true. I mean, I don't, I, I love our people. Yeah. I'm, I'm at fellowship because I love fellowship. I, d- I genuinely do. Um, I love the people here, but at the same time, I love people enough to tell them that this isn't about them mm-hmm. because if I tell them it's about them, that I'm lying to them, that's not loving. Yeah. Um, and, and also if I tell them it's about them and they're coming and worshiping themselves, then they're missing out on what they were created to be and what they were created to do, which is to worship God. Mm. Um, and so I think that, uh, it very much has hindered the gospel because churches on every corner are infatuated with how do we get more people in? How mm-hmm. do I get people into the door? If I have, you know, the right kind of music, if I have the right kind of uh, welcome team, if I have the right kind of uh, Facebook promotions and pictures and yeah. graphics and coffee shop, coffee shop. Yeah, if I have all of these things, if I can, if I can work out this formula, that I can get people here, and and then you know I'll keep them here by preaching things that they'll enjoy. Mm. You know, I'm going to make sure that my sermon is entertaining. It, it becomes very much consumeristic, and, and that is that is very much um, a very dangerous thing. We, we, essentially, what we've done is we've erected these idols in our churches, and we're worshiping ourselves under the guise of worshiping God. And I don't, as I look through the scriptures, I've never seen that work out for anybody when they're worshiping themselves or worshiping an idol, right? Look what yeah. Look what huh. happens to Israel when God, you know, Moses comes down that mountain and they're worshiping Baal there. Mm-hmm. Uh, God doesn't seem too pleased about that. Yeah, I, I always I used to say this on Wednesday nights when I was teaching a class that like if we said some of the things Jesus said just every Sunday, we just read the words Jesus read to people who are asking us questions like that's very offensive at times. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? 
Let like, the dead bury the dead. Yeah, let, let the dead bury the dead. Like somebody come to me, like I couldn't be here, you know, to help out with this thing because I'm burying my mother. <laughs> what would they think of me if I said, you let the dead bury the dead and, you know, continue on with the gospel? That's exactly what Jesus did. Right. And uh, I think we've, we've gotten away from that in the American church, so to speak, because we talk about it a lot, we've changed the model, right? Mm. Instead of go, therefore, continually going, going out, we're like, don't go anywhere. Come, Just come, come here. there for. Yeah. Come yeah. there for and come and watch us and, and, and listen to us and we're going to entertain you and we're going to make it fun and we're going to make it fun for your kids and you're going to come once a week and be energized and lifted up and then, and who's, yeah, who's the, who's the God then? You're the right. God. We're right. lifting you up, right. not the other way around. And so um, I've always said, you know, I, I don't I don't care about methodology. You know, if a church somewhere wants to, you know, wear suit and ties and sing nothing but hymns and they're on mission for the gospel, then God bless them. Like, go for you it. go for it. You know, yeah. like do what you do. I'm never going to dog anybody on that or or lift us up for doing the kind of style that we do. Because I don't think any of that matters, right? right? Uh, you know, you go look at churches in Honduras or Africa or wherever, they're, they're, they don't care about that stuff. They care about getting the word, you know? Right. And so they, they need, to, they, they need to, to preach the word as it's preached, and that's what's drawing people in, mm. not so much the entertainment factor. And so um, I, th- I think that's interesting, the interest of others, right? If we're interested in ourselves, then nothing's getting done. Yeah, I think I think it's something that's born too out of a, out of a desire and an idol that many pastors have uh, to be successful, and we're gauging success in the world's eyes, right? If yeah. I if I can get a thousand people in the auditorium, if I can get our budget up and, and maintain that, and all, you know, there becomes this, you know, very much focus on attendance and money. You know, we've, yeah. we've heard people say, "Well, I don't care if they come as long as they're tithing." Right? Oh like, my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. That's, uh, that's not that's not what we're called to do. <laughs> no. Right, we're not called to manage budgets. Yeah. If if we don't make budget, then who cares? That's that's not our that's not our focus. Our focus is to make disciples, and we trust that all those other things will work themselves out. God's in control of all that. Yeah, and and I think that that is uh, when, when our focus is on those two things, you know, numbers and uh, and budget and and our own um, our own success, then. Again, it's it's this idle thing that we've that we've created. Yeah, yeah, and I think Paul does a great job of kind of laying that out to remind us, to remind the people at Philippi. It's not about you. It's not about you. Make sure you have this love and unity and thought and spirit and passion and the interest of others, and because that's what Christianity is all about. Right. Right. Selflessness. Selflessness. Yeah. You make sure to go, and as you're going, do these things. And then we can come together on Sundays and celebrate that. Yeah. Because the, the, the most important stuff happens every other day of the week. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. All right. Well, good discussion. And uh, I can't wait uh, to hear this Sunday. And uh, don't forget, we are wrapping up our equipped classes. If you're coming to those on Wednesday nights. And uh, we, have a, we have a pretty kind of laid back schedule for the summer. But then we're going to ramp that right back up in the fall. Uh, if you have any questions about that, don't hesitate to, hesitate to ask. We'll see you on Sunday. Thank you so much for listening. And we always welcome you to join us at Fellowship Church in Nederland, Texas, where we gather, grow, give, and go. 